Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Amen. Recently we've been talking about, um, we started a series questioning Christianity and the idea behind the series is firstly, um, for us as Christians, we shouldn't be afraid to wrestle with our doubts and with the doubts of other people because the only way we can develop a robust faith is if we actually work through the questions and the challenges to Christianity. You you know, um, when Christianity in South Africa and in all kinds of places all around the world was sort of the, I must say, the official state religion, you you, you sort of received Christianity and you you just sort of accepted it uh, and The problem was many people who received it in that way only became nominal Christians. They became Christians in name, but not in heart, because they sort of received it from their parents and they inherited their parents' faith, but they never really made it their own because they never really wrestled with the the questions and the doubts about Christianity. And I think it's important that we do that. You cannot become a Christian by default. You cannot become a Christian by accident. You have to become a Christian by choice, intentionally. Uh, and if you haven't done that, if you haven't wrestled through the issues and through your doubts and through other people's doubts, then you're never going to have a resilient, robust faith. And, and also, I found that not only does wrestling through questions and challenges to Christianity ultimately strengthen my faith. See, I, I've, um, I think it was... Charles Spurgeon who said I defend the gospel like I defend the lion by letting it out of its cage (laughs) if Christianity is true, if the gospel is true we shouldn't be afraid of challenges to it we shouldn't be all defensive about it Okay, Um, we should we, we should allow ourselves to ask the questions and we should allow other people to ask the questions with the confidence that if it's true then we will discover that truth and we'll, we'll become more confident in that truth. Um, but I've also found that doing that has helped me to, to share my faith more effectively with other people. Because on the one hand, I have more compassion for them because I, I really understand the questions that they're wrestling through because I've been wrestling through them as well. And um, I, I, can, I can give them better answers because I've actually gone to think about the questions that they ask and the challenges that they pose to Christianity. So for, I think for Christians it's a good thing um, to, to wrestle through your doubts. But, but I also think um, for people who are not Christians, I think it's, it's, a, it's a good thing to, um, to doubt their doubts, to also wrestle, wrestle through their doubts. So often I've found that people who do not believe in Christianity haven't thought or have thought very superficially about the reasons why they doubt Christianity. And underneath the doubts of Christianity, there's a deep blind faith in something else which they are not willing to challenge. And um, if you're here this morning and and you're not a Christian and, and you sort of wrestling through issues about Christianity... 
I, I want to encourage you to also wrestle with your doubts about Christianity and not require more evidence for Christianity, you know, not, not require more evidence from Christians than you require from yourself uh, to prove the, the things that you do believe in, the alternative um, truth claims that you accept. So today we're, gonna, uh, we're asking the question, can there be only one true religion? And, and it's a question that, that many people ask. If you ask many people, you know, that are not Christians, why are you not Christians? They'll, they'll just say, Christianity is too exclusive. It's too exclusive. Christianity claims to be the only way, and I find that arrogant, and I find that um, offensive. You know, uh, surely all world religions are equally valid, right? I'm, I'm sure we've all had discussions um, like that, and I can, I can, to one extent, I can understand it. Um, often, the assumption underlying the, those statements are that all religions are just man-made are just sort of man's way of dealing with existential issues and um, the fact that we're not in control of everything, etc., etc. So we develop gods for ourselves. So, so the whole idea, the, the, the faith, the hidden assumption and faith underlying that challenge is that religion in general is a man-made thing, and therefore you cannot claim that your man-made religion is more valid than someone else's man-made religion or some other culture's man-made religion. Um, but my question would be have you have you really thought about and asked yourself what brought you to that conclusion that all religions are man-made what evidence do you have for that if you require evidence of Christians to say that they belief in Jesus is, is exclusive or that uh, their religion is the only one that can save, their Savior is the only one can save, um, do you also require evidence to prove your view of religions that they are all the same and that they are all man-made? So the first thing that we need to say in answer to the question, you know, uh, you know or the charge that Christianity is too exclusive is to admit that the charge is true. <laughs> Christianity is exclusive. <laughs> okay, firstly, we know it's exclusive because the Bible says so. Right? Let me just read you two verses. Uh, one very famous verse is in John 14, verse 6, where Jesus himself says, he's quoted as saying, he said, he said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Now, firstly, Jesus is claiming, I mean, if you, if you look at what he's saying and you look at it deeply, you, you realize it's, it's very exclusive claims that he's making, even more exclusive than we realize. The, the, the obvious part is where he's saying, you know, I'm the only way, I'm the, uh, no one can come to the Father through me. In other words, um, all other religions, all other religious leaders, none of them can actually get you to the Father. Yes, they can get you to other gods, but they cannot get you to God the Father. They cannot get you to, to the God of the Bible. They cannot get you to Yahweh. Um, so, so it's exclusive in, in that sense. But more than that, you know, if you think about what other religious leaders say, just think about, you know, Buddha, 
or Muhammad or Krishna or any other religious leader that has ever existed. None of them claim to be the way. All of them claim to show the way. They say, come, follow me, and I'll show you the way how to get to God or the gods. Right? Without exception, that is true. Jesus is different in that he doesn't just say, come, I will show you the way. He doesn't say, I'm just a prophet or a wise man that knows the way and that will show you the way. He says, I am the way. (laughs) That's different. That's fundamentally different. Okay? But but it doesn't even stop there. It gets worse. (laughs) I mean, in John's gospel, um, there are many so-called I am statements. There are seven absolute I am statements when Jesus says, like, for instance, before Abraham was, I am. In John chapter 8. And the Jews, who are monotheistic to the core, get so angry at Jesus because he's, they understand what he's saying. They, they understand he's, 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 it's, his statement is not just a statement of bad grammar. I mean, if, it, 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 it didn't mean before Abraham was, I was. That's not what he said and that's not what he meant. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And, and they understood that he was saying, before Abraham existed, I was Yahweh. I was the great I am. You remember Exodus 4, the burning bush, and God said to Moses, when, when, he, when they asked him, who, who shall I say to the Israelites, who, who has sent me? And, they say, and he said to them, say to them, I am that I am. I am Yahweh, the one who is and the one who causes all else to be. I am has sent me. And, and they understood, when Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am, they understood that Jesus was claiming to be the God of the burning bush. That Jesus was claiming to be Yahweh, the great I am. And that's why they wanted to stone him. <laughs> but there, there are also um, seven uh, so-called um, conditional or, or, or qualified I am statements, like, I am the bread of life. I am the resurrection and the life. And this one, I am the way, the truth, and the life. But if you understand it correctly, you'll understand Jesus is saying the same thing. He's not only claiming to be the only way to the Father. He's claiming to be one with the Father. He's claiming to be I am. It's an I am statement. So can you see how exclusive this is? It goes way beyond um, anything that any other religious leader claims. Another verse um, is in Acts 4, verse 12. Where, where, um, and, and here we see that Jesus' apostles, his early disciples and, and, and the apostles, his special representatives, understood what Jesus was saying in scriptures like John 14, verse 6, um, in the same way that I'm, I'm explaining it now. For instance, Peter, in, in one of his sermons, he says, And there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. So there are many other names given, many other people who claim to be saviors, but none by which you can actually be saved and be restored and reconciled to the Father. And in light of this, 
you have to say, like, um, you know, C.S. Lewis, who for, for many years of his adult life was an atheist. He was a professor in philosophy and languages, and, and he was an atheist, a, a very staunch atheist. Um, and, and he said of Jesus, don't, don't give me this patronizing thing of saying that Jesus was just a prophet or a good man. Good men do not say the things that Jesus said. He claimed to be God. He claimed worship. Either he was supremely arrogant and, uh, and deceived, or he really is who he claims to be. Don't call him a good man or a prophet or a mere prophet, human prophet. He did not leave that option open to you. He did not intend to leave it open to you. Okay? Um, Josh McDowell puts it this way. He calls it the trilemma. He says, Jesus is a, either a liar or a lunatic or his Lord. Those are the only three options. Either he was not telling the truth about who he is, and he knew he wasn't telling the truth about who he is, in which case he's a liar. Or he wasn't telling the truth about who he is, but he thought he was telling the truth about who he is. In other words, he was delusional. He was a lunatic. Or else he was telling the truth about who he is, and he's Lord. The trilemma, liar, lunatic, or Lord. Those are the only options Jesus left open to us. Jesus' claims about himself and about the way that he, that he created are very exclusive. So the Bible requires that Christianity is exclusive. But if you think about it, logic also requires it. Logic also requires that the truth is exclusive. I mean, we know that. The nature of truth, of true answers, for instance, is that there's only one. The nature of untrue answers is that there are many. Right? I mean, we've all done that thing where you have a, the raffle jar with the toffees in, and you have to guess how many, how many toffees are in the jar, and whoever guesses, whoever guess, whoever's guess is closest to the, the, the right answer gets the whole jar of toffees. How many right answers are there to, to the question, how many toffees are in the raffle jar? Just one right answer. How many wrong answers are there? Many. If an airplane is um, coming into land in, you know, sort of dense mist, and the tower, the, the, the tower on the airport asks the, the, the pilot, you know, state your, your position, you know, state your, give, give me your, your, your height and all that kind of stuff, your altitude. And he says, you know, I, I am 600 meters above the ground. And the, the guy in the tower says, no, our radar says that you are 400 meters above the ground. Can they both be right at the same time? Of course not. Is it important to know which one is right? If you want to land the plane safely, yes. <laughs> it's very important. Now, the same with this question. Who is 
the true way of salvation. It's, it's like the question, how high, what, what's the altitude of the aeroplane? If you want to land safely in eternity, you've got to know the right answer. You've got to make sure that you know the right answer, otherwise you're going to crash. So not only does the Bible require that Christianity is exclusive and that Jesus is exclusive and unique, but logic requires it as well. Um, but I understand that for, for many people who, I mean, we live in a sort of late modern, post-modern, and some would say even post-truth kind of society, where society has started rejecting absolutes, all absolute statements, and everything has become relative. And people will even talk about your truth and my truth, even though your truth and my truth are not the same. Okay? I mean, we've all heard this, right? Um, I, I can understand that in a context like that, people want to make the claim. Why, would people, why people would make the claim, but surely all world religions are equally valid. My truth and your truth are equally valid. I can understand why, why people would say that. But the problem is that it cannot be right. And we know it cannot be right. We know it cannot be right. Because if you're saying that... Firstly, let me, let me put it to you this way. Not only does Christianity make exclusive claims about the truth and claim to be the only way, all world religions claim that. Christianity is not unique in making exclusive claims. I just want to read you a, um, a portion uh, in a moment. Um, but, but think about this. If, if Jews, Muslims, Buddhists, and Hindus would, uh, you know, Jews, all, in fact, I think all Jews, Muslims, um, Buddhists, Hindus would agree that if Christianity is right about Jesus being the only way, then they, as the other religions, are falling short of loving and worshipping God as they truly should. But if they are right about Jesus, then Christians are failing to love and worship God as He truly is. The reality is all world religions claim to be exclusive. I just want to read this to you. Uh, Timothy Keller says, I was once invited to be the Christian representative in a panel discussion at a local college along with a Jewish rabbi and a Muslim imam. The panelists uh, were asked to discuss the differences amongst religions. The conversation was courteous, intelligent, and respectful in tone. Each speaker affirmed that there were significant, irreconcilable differences between the major faiths. A case in point was the person of Jesus. We all agreed on the statement, if Christians are right about Jesus being God, then Muslims and Jews failed in a serious way to love God as He really is. But if Muslims and Jews are right uh, that Jesus is not God, but rather a teacher or a prophet, then Christians failed to ser in a serious way to love God as He really is. The bottom line was, we couldn't all be equally right about the nature of God. Several of the students were quite disturbed by this. One student insisted that what mattered was to believe in God and to be a loving person yourself. But then you have to ask the question, which God? <laughs> sure, you have to believe in God, but which God do you have to believe in? Is it the God who, called, who revealed himself in Jesus and said, I am the way, the truth, and the life? Uh, which God 
uh, are you supposed to believe in? Um, to believe in God and to, uh, to be a loving person yourself. To insist that one's faith has a better, uh, sorry, to insist that one, one faith has a better grasp of the truth than others was intolerant. Another student looked um, at us clerics and said uh, in his frustration, we will never come to know peace on earth if religious leaders keep on making such ex- exclusive claims. Is it, uh, it is widely believed that one of the main barriers to world peace is religion, and especially the major traditional religions uh, with the ex- their exclusive claims to superiority. It may surprise you that though I am a Christian minister, I agree with this. Religion, generally speaking, tends to create a slippery slope in the heart. Each religion informs its followers that they have the truth. And this naturally leads them to feel superior to those with different beliefs. Also, a religion tells its followers that they are saved and connected to God by devoting themselves to that truth. This moves them to separate themselves from those who are less devoted and pure in life. Therefore, it is easy for one religious group to stereotype and caricature other ones. Once this situation exists, it can easily spiral down into the marginalization of others or even to active oppression, abuse, or violence against them. The claim is... And it's usually illustrated by the example of the blind men and the elephant. People will say, you know, a bunch of blind men walking around and they bump into an elephant. And each of them sort of touches a different part of the elephant. And the one says, oh, you know, this, this, is, this object is a, is a flexible, you know, object like a, you know, he's got the trunk. So he says, it's a flexible object like a hosepipe. Another one who's, who's sort of grabbing the, the leg says, no, man, it's a big, you know, round, hard object, inflexible object like a tree trunk. And the other one's got a hold of the ear and says, no, man, you're both wrong. You know, it's, it's this big, flat, flappy object like a, like a big cloth or towel. Another one says, who's got his hands on the side of the elephant, no, no it's this big, flat surface like a wall. And the other one who's got the tail says, no, man, it's this thin, flexible thing with this, you know, bristles on the end like a, like a paintbrush. So, so then, you know, people who are not religious will say, you see, the world religions are like the blind man. Each of them has one aspect of God that they're touching and that they see. And they're all right in some way. They all got part of the truth. Does that sound convincing to you? It sounds kind of convincing, right? But there's a problem. There's a problem with that illustration. How would anyone know that the blind men only see part of the elephant? How would you know that? You can only know that if you're the one seeing the whole elephant and the blind men touching the elephant. In other words, what secularists and skeptics and atheists and, you know, uh, modernists, relativists in general say is, we can see. So we see the whole elephant and we see you as world religions, as blind people touching different parts of the elephant. So we see everything and you only see in part. In other words, <laughs> they're making the very mistake. They're claiming 
They, they, they forbidding others to make. They say, you are not allowed to say that your view of religion of God is superior to anyone else's. But they are saying that our view of all religions is superior to everyone else's. Can you see how hypocritical it is? Can you, can you see that? It's completely hypocritical. Because, in other words, here's the point. The view that your religion is the only truth is no less excusive, exclusive than the view that your understanding of all religions is the truth. It's just as exclusive to say that my view of all religions, that they're basically the same and that they all lead to the same God. That's an exclusive view. That's just as exclusive as the view that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through Him. So, here's my point. My point is that exclusivity, when you're talking about truth, exclusivity is unavoidable. It's unavoidable. The problem is what Tim Keller highlights here, is that when you think you have exclusive truth, it becomes a slippery slope, and it tends to lead you to treat people who don't believe the same way as you, poorly. Okay? And, and that is true. That is true. But, this is another thing that I do believe make, makes... Um, now, j- let me just mention this, maybe. Some people will say that the solution is there should be no religions. You know? Whether it's... John Lennon singing it in Imagine. Imagine no religion. <laughs> or whether it's Joseph Stalin or Mao Zedong under communist Russia or China outlawing religion and killing people if they try to you know, adhere to religions. The problem is, as Alistair McGraw has said, that the, the cure, that cure is worse than a disease that it claims to cure. Alistair McGrath said the 20th century gave rise to one of the greatest and most distressing paradoxes of human history. That the greatest intolerance and violence of that century were practiced by those who believed that religion caused intolerance and violence. Those who hated religion and said it just causes violence and intolerance killed more people than all the religions they hated and didn't tolerate put together. So, we're saying that exclusive belief in religions is a problem and it can lead to people oppressing and being prejudiced to people who don't believe the same. But we're saying that throwing out religion is even worse of a problem. The cure is infinitely worse than the disease. So, so what are we to do about it? Firstly, let me, let me, in fact, let me just make, make two statements. Firstly, I don't think the question whether you accept Christianity or not, you shouldn't, uh, when deciding whether you should accept Christianity or not, you shouldn't ask, is it exclusive? You should be asking, is it true? Think about this for a moment. If you, you know, if you have, say, cancer, and I come to you and I claim 
to have the only cure for cancer in the world, are you going to say, no, that cure is not for me because your claims to having a cure are too exclusive? <laughs> or are you going to say, does the cure actually work? If it, if it works, whether you claim it to be the only cure or not, give it to me. <laughs> so, so the question is not whether Christianity's claims are exclusive, but whether they are true. Does Jesus actually save? Right? I mean, that's kind of obvious. Um, then secondly, another question we should be asking is not, is this religion or this faith you know, this worldview, is it exclusive? But how does it exclusive? Because all, all faiths, all religions, all worldviews are exclusive. Whether, you know, traditional ones like Christianity, Islam, and um, Hinduism, or more modern ones like, um, you know, Marxism, or um, Darwinism, or, or any of those. All of them are exclusive. Secularism is very exclusive. All the claims made by them are exclusive. So, so the question shouldn't be, you know, does this worldview make exclusive claims? But how, does, how do those exclusive claims and beliefs cause the adherence of them to treat those who disagree with them? Let's take an example. Islam. Islam makes very exclusive claims about, you know, Allah is God and Muhammad is his prophet. He's the ultimate prophet. And anyone who disagrees with him is wrong. And we've, we've all heard this phrase uh, be, being said over and over by, by Muslims. Now, how, does those, how do those exclusive beliefs of Islam cause them to treat people who disagree with them? It's kind of mixed. But, I mean, we all know over hundreds of years of many, um, you know, cases of people being persecuted for disagreeing with Islam. If you ask people who live in, in Islamic countries under Sharia law, you know, are you allowed to disagree? They'd say, no, absolutely not. You'll get beaten in the street, literally. Stripped naked and, and beaten in the street with, with rods, at, at the very least. The Quran itself requires Muslims to tax non-Muslims, uh, you know, called infidels, uh, unfairly or tax them much higher than, than they would tax Muslims under Sharia law. They, they require to eventually chop off their, their one hand and their other foot to cripple them as an incentive for them to convert to Islam. So how does the exclusive views of Islam cause them to treat people who disagree with them? Not so good. Okay? And you can go through the same thing. Let's take atheism. How does, do the exclusive views of atheists that there is no God and that the world, the natural world, the physical world is all there is and that we are, that we are just accidents that came about by evolution, how does that cause them to treat people who disagree with them and say, but there is a God? Also not so good, right? I mean, we've all seen, you know, uh, debates on, um, on uh, the internet, on YouTube, or been in debates ourselves where, you know, when, when we try and claim that there is a God, you know, um, in, in debate with Aces, they'll easily call you stupid, you know, 
and say, no, you know, if, if you believe in any kind of God or religion, you're just stupid. And in fact, you're immoral because you're the problem in the world because religion causes violence, not realizing that their religion is actually, if you look at the track record of the past hundred years, the most murderous religion <laughs> that there is. Their belief system, I mean, Mao Zedong, Joseph Stalin, even Hitler, they were actually atheists. <laughs> you know, so the biggest mass murderers in history were atheists, you know. But how does, how does that, those exclusive atheistic views cause them to treat people who disagree with them? And if they're honest, they'll say, not so well. Okay? Now let's look at Christianity. The one thing that makes Christianity different, or another thing that makes Christianity different and unique in, amongst world religions is that all other world religions say, this is what you must do to please God and be right with Him. Christianity is unique amongst world religion in saying that you cannot do what it takes to please God and be right with Him. You have to be perfect, and none of you are. But God Himself will become human and do that which pleases God and makes people right with Him. And then His track record in, in Jesus Christ, His track record will be credited to you. So, when you become a Christian, you become a Christian not because you're better than anyone else. You become a Christian by faith, by grace, and by faith, despite the fact that you know you are no better than anyone else. Right? In other words, in, in fact, Paul, I don't know if I put that scripture up, but in, in Romans 3 verse 27, Paul says, Then what becomes of boasting? It is excluded. By what kind of law? By the law of works, performance, earning? No, by the law of faith. He says Christianity is set up in such a way you receive it by faith. Grace is not opposed to effort, but it is opposed to earning. Grace, if the gospel is the gospel of the grace of God, then it means that everything that you've received, you received for free. For next, gratis, for nothing. You did not earn it one little bit. Jesus earned it on your behalf, for you. You're riding on his perfect track record. This means that if you are truly a Christian that truly believes the gospel, now, we have to admit that not all Christians believe that, or not all people who call themselves Christians believe that. Many people who call themselves Christian would say, no, you've got to be better, you've got to be morally upright, and so, which you do have to, but, but that doesn't, that's not what earns your salvation. You shouldn't be good or holy in order to be saved. You should become more good and holy because you are already saved. That's the difference between the gospel and dead religion. And that's why Jesus had such fights with the Pharisees, because the Pharisees said, and, he, and Jesus called them hypocrites. So if you're a true Christian, you're going to say, I'm, a true, I, I'm in with God and I'm right with God, despite the fact that I'm no better than anyone else. In fact, True Christians will expect non-Christians to be better than their false beliefs should lead them to be. And true Christians should expect Christians to be worse than their right beliefs should lead them to be. Does that make sense or have I now just confused you? True Christians 
will expect non-believers, because they are created in the image of God, even though they've fallen from the image of God, some of the image of God still remains. So Christians will expect non-believers who are created in the image of God to be better than their false beliefs about God ought to make them. And Christians, even though they're created in the image of God, they've also fallen from the image of God, but they're not yet fully restored to the image of God. So Christians would expect themselves as Christians to be worse than their right beliefs about God ought to make them. So, because boasting is excluded because of the nature of the gospel, if you are a true Christian that truly believes in the exclusive claims of the gospel, it will not cause you to treat people who don't believe it worse because you're going to say, I, I, I've got nothing to boast in. I did not earn this. I did not deserve this. The, the gospel forces you to be humble because the truths of the gospel are entirely humbling because you deserved nothing of it. So when you ask the question, how do your exclusive beliefs cause you to treat others who disagree with you? Then we have to say that if you truly believe the exclusive claims of the gospel and of Jesus Christ, it will cause you to treat others who disagree with you well. If you're not treating them well, then it means that you don't truly believe the exclusive claims of the gospel or you haven't worked that, that belief into your life properly. Does that make sense? So can you see that, in my opinion, the gospel, Jesus and the gospel, I mean, Jesus is unique amongst world re leaders of world religion in not conquering or only rebuking his enemies, but ultimately dying for his enemies, hanging on the cross for them and saying, even on the cross, while they're killing him, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So that God would not have to forsake those who are his enemies, and, and ultimately all are his enemies, but also saying, God, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Jesus is unique amongst religious leaders in doing that. And that's why... I would make this claim that the only exclusive claims that are not dangerous and that causes will cause you know people to who believe in them to treat those who disagree with them well is actually the gospel the claims the exclusive claims of Christianity and therefore I would conclude that the exclusive claims of Jesus, that he is the only way to God the Father, that he is the only name by which people can be saved, and that the, the, the exclusive claims of Christianity and the gospel are the only exclusive claims that are not dangerous and that should not worry us. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com